everyone? Doing well? You're looking fantastic. You look like a great group of people. All smiling, happy, living the dream. Living the dream? All living the dream? Cool bananas. I want to say it's uh, such a privilege uh, this morning for us to have Pastor Keith Feebig with us. Uh, Pastor Keith um, built this church, uh, was, had the vision for it, uh, was the senior pastor of the church before Jane and I uh, became the pastor of the church. So can we give a, a warm welcome to Pastor Keith this morning? So good to have you. So good, so good. Excellent. We uh, also uh, have uh, Pastor Dean O'Keefe is ministering down at Strathalban in a church down there this morning, so uh, continue to pray for him as uh, he uh, brings the word of the Lord down there. So you ready for the word? Yeah. Okay, let's, uh, let's rock on, shall we? Yeah. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the, you, Holy Spirit, that you put seeds in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives that bear eternal fruit. I thank you that we can bear eternal fruit. There is an eternal legacy that we can leave in the lives of others around about us as a result of this morning. Start to help us to start to think eternally in terms of our lives and the legacy that we can bring and share in Jesus' name this morning. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Today I, uh, I want to touch on the subject of leaving a legacy. I'm not just talking about leaving any old legacy, but I want to talk about leaving an eternal legacy. When I start to think about leaving an eternal legacy, I think about King David from the Old Testament. I start to think about Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus. I think about the Apostle Paul. I think about Jesus himself. Those people that left us with an incredible legacy that has eternal uh, consequence. It has an eternal blessing. It has a, an eternal outreach for our lives as we move forward. But I also think about the, uh, the book of faith, the chapter of faith in, in Hebrews chapter 11. And you start to think about all of those who've had an, an eternal impact throughout history on the lives of believers. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 says, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. See, the writer reminds us that faith is not necessarily rewarded here on earth. There's an eternal outworking of faith. Abel's legacy of faith still speaks to us loudly today, even though he's been long dead. Abel's blood still speaks to us, reminding us of the value of eternity in our lives. See, when we're dead and buried, will our lives continue to inspire and encourage the people that are left behind? What is the legacy of our lives? Are we leaving, uh, living for and working towards leaving a legacy that lives beyond ourselves? What is the deposit that we are leaving in the lives of people in and around about us? Studies have shown that uh, there are generally four things that most people want in and from life. It's to know, to be known, to belong, 
and to leave a legacy. First one is to know God. You know, like we, we want to know. We want to know God. We want to know others. We want to know our purpose in life. Secondly, it's to be known by God and others as well. To, to be loved for who we are, not just what we do. Thirdly, it's about knowing that we have a place, we belong. There's a sense of family, a sense of community that we belong to. And lastly, it's to know that our lives have had meaning and that we are leaving a legacy as a result of our lives in the lives of the people around about us. Christian sociologist Tony Campolo, he asked people over 90 years of age, he says, as you look back over life, what do you wish that you had done differently as a result of your life. They said, well, they wished that they risked more or they said that they'd spent more time in reflection. But over and above all of these answers, there was this one thing that they wished they had done more to have left a legacy in the lives of people. See, the Lord actually calls us to leave a legacy. In Joshua chapter 4, verses 6 to 7, we read about the, the, uh, the account of where uh, the Israelites crossed over the Jordan River. And uh, Joshua was told by God to leave these stones, to take 12 memorial stones out of the middle of the river and to leave them on the side of the bank because that will be something that will remind the children and the generations that are yet to come that God did something Amazing in that moment. Those memorial stones were set up so that when your children ask, what do those stones mean? You can start to point them towards a moment in time where God intersected the life of his people. Same with Matthew chapter 6 and verses 19 to 20. We're encouraged to store up for ourselves treasure in where? In heaven. We're to, to, to like populate heaven with the souls of people. We're to, to talk about and leave a deposit in heaven as a result of our lives here. You know, that's the, the idea of leaving a legacy. An eternal legacy is about populating heaven with the souls of people. So how do we leave an eternal legacy? Well, number one, share God's transforming power with others. Now, what I don't want to do this morning is to make people feel guilty condemned or otherwise feeling like sucking on your bottom lip because you haven't led anyone to Jesus, all right? So it's not my intention that you feel that way at all. My intention is to inspire you, to encourage you, just to simply share a God story, just to simply tell someone about something that God has done, is doing, or is about to do in your life. It's so easy for us to be able to, you know what, uh, when I was a police officer, uh, I was working on a team in, a, in an office area, it's a big area like this, and there's heaps of people around about, and they, people in that room had no problem in telling me about their weekend, how they went to the footy, they got drunk, they got, did, did all this sort of stuff, they had no problem in telling me all of these things that were happening in their lives. So why shouldn't I? When I go into that same place, I had the most amazing Sunday. I went to church. It was just filled with people that were just an, an, an another level. They, they encouraged me by their stories, the things that they're going through, and they're still just doing what you know, God has called them to do. Just an incredible moment on Sunday that, that I enjoyed that. You know, we can have the freedom to just simply, simply share a God story, to, to share the, the, a story about what God's transforming power can do in a life. So I'm going to read out of Acts 
chapter 22, verses 1 to 16. And it says this, Brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, Listen to me as I offer my defense. When they heard him speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, like, just like I am or like all of you are today. And I, I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so. For I received letters from our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the Christians from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. And as I was on the road approaching Damascus, about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I said, and the voice replied, I am Jesus of, of, of Nazareth, the one you are persecuting. And the people with me saw the light, but they didn't understand the voice that was speaking to me. And I asked, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up and go into Damascus and there you'll be told everything that you are to do. I was blinded by the intense light and had to be led by the hand to Damascus by my companions. And a man named Ananias he lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law and well regarded by the, all the Jews of Damascus. He came and he stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And that very moment I could see him. Just as a, a, a real quick, sh like short thing, it, uh, simple prayer of faith opened a man's eyes. A simple prayer of faith. Then he told me, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and what you've heard. See, Paul, uh, he, he told where he was, he was born and he recounts the story of his training and the way in which he so passionately served the God of Israel that he willingly and mercilessly persecuted the followers of Jesus Christ. But then Paul shares the story of God's transforming power in from his own life, of his conversion experience on the road to Damascus. How in that one encounter, Paul's life was powerfully transformed and his destiny changed as a result of that encounter with God on that road to Damascus. Our greatest legacy isn't that we leave uh, what we leave in a will, though that is important, it's not how many kids we raise, but it's the legacy of transformed lives who will experience eternal life because we led them to Christ and we discipled them in that process as well. I believe every one of us here has a heart to reach the lost world that's out there, people who just don't believe in God. I believe that we all at some level have this desire that what we've experienced we want to share with other people. God took me, a humble man, and he transformed my life as a result of me just yielding my life to him. We need to lead people to Jesus and see their lives transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And this begins when we share with others the transforming power of God in our world. Peter shared the story of how Jesus transformed his life. He went from being a man who found it easy to put his foot in his mouth to being a man who saw 3,000 people saved as he preached an anointed word of God on the day of Pentecost. You guys are anointed by God. God's hand is upon your life. And I just want to share this. This really jumped out at me the other day. In Ezra chapter 7 and verse 28, the last part of it says, I felt encouraged because the gracious hand of the Lord, my God, was on me. And I want to tell you this morning that the hand of God is upon you today. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is upon your life today. And you can stand before people and declare the transforming power of God and to start to believe to see a transformation in their lives as you talk about the transforming power of God. Here's some examples of people who just simply shared a story of what God was doing. In John chapter 9, a blind man says, Once I was blind, but now I see because of Jesus. In Mark chapter 7, there's a a deaf and mute man. He says, I couldn't hear, but I can hear you now and I can speak because of what Jesus has done. There's a woman with an issue of blood in Matthew chapter 9. And and she, she gets healed by just reaching out to the hem of his garment and she gets radically healed in that moment. And she goes to her knees when Jesus turns around and says, Who touched me? And she starts to tell of the transforming power of God in that instance when she reached out and touched Jesus' robe. Here's a a scripture you need to to write down and to go home and to to look at it today. Psalm 66, Psalm 66, verse 16. It says this, All you lovers of God who want to please him, come and listen, and I'll tell you what he did for me. Let me read that again. All you lovers of God who want to please him, come and listen. And I'll tell you what he did for me. Are you ready to tell people about what God's transforming power has done in your life? It's it's as simple as this. This is how I was. This is how I met Jesus. And this is my life right now. It's an elevated pitch. That's what an elevator, as long as it takes to go from the ground floor up to the fifth floor, the sixth floor, you've got 30 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute to talk about it. You know what? I just had an emptiness. It was just a, my life was going down the toilet. You know, it's just, it was, I, was, I was headed to destruction. But then someone invited me to church. Someone t- told me about Jesus. Someone told me about how God had changed their life, how God had intersected. And this is my life. I gave my life to Jesus, and he's, this is where I am today. My life, it might not be perfect, but you know what? I'm believing that I'm of a greater impact, a greater uh, ability to reach people than I ever did. I know that there's purpose in my life. I know that there's a, a reason for my being. That's as simple as it is. Took me two minutes. So I went from the ground floor to the 18th. (laughs) Secondly, believe that God can and does change others. Not only do we need to just simply share the stories of God's transforming power, but we need to believe that God can and does change people's lives. Galatians chapter 1, verse 22 to 24. It says, I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They were only hearing it said, He who used to persecute us 
is now proclaiming the very faith that he once reviled and which he set out to ruin and tried with all his might to destroy. Who are they talking about? They're talking about Paul. They're talking about how once upon a time, this guy was simply known for the way that he was arresting people. He was trying to kill them. He was trying to persecute them. He was trying to stop what God was doing in that day and the age and the, and the birth of the, uh, the early church. And then all of a sudden, they hear, start to hear stories of a transformed life where Paul is no longer persecuting the church. He's actually bringing purpose to the church. He's starting to talk about and preach in the the, the surrounding areas about the transforming power of God. And that gets around. It's it's like, you know, uh, uh, the um, cross on the switchblade. Incredible story of a gang leader who goes and finds Christ and becomes an incredible evangelist, winning people to Jesus. Never shy away from talking to gang members about Jesus. Do it with safety and don't chuck your brain out, but never shy away from that stuff. The hardest, most tough-looking criminal, they're just the people that Jesus loves as much. And with their testimony, they can win thousands to Christ. God changed Paul's life. He transformed it from a murderer to a missionary. Paul gives us the example of God changing a man so powerfully that his life is still a testimony and a legacy for us today. Jesus changes lives. The Holy Spirit changes lives. The Word of God changes lives. Being connected with the body of Christ, the church, it changes people's lives. There was a maths teacher. He once described what a difference it made in his professional life when he underwent a subtle transformation. That transformation, as he puts it, came when he stopped teaching mathematics and started to teach children. Do you see the difference? He says, I had a great feeling of relief when I began to understand that a youngster needs more than just subject matter. I know mathematics well and I teach it well, he said. I used to think that's all I needed to do. Now I teach children, not maths. The youngster who really made me understand this is a little kid called Eddie, he said. I asked him one day why he thought he was doing so much better this year than last year. And he gave meaning to my whole new orientation. Because little Eddie said, it's because I like myself now when I'm with you. It's connecting with a heart. It's connecting with a heart. God changes people. This kid saw there was a change in this maths teacher. He wasn't just teaching about mathematics now. The teacher had shown an interest in the kid. We've been called to share the transforming love of God with others, not to bash them to death with religion. My my role in sharing the, the gospel of Christ with people is to tell them about a person, not a religion. We all know that there's a 
difference between heaven and hell. And a lot of us think that, you know, because uh, there's this option where if they don't accept Jesus, that those people are going to hell. I like what someone said to me once. I think that the message of hell is more for Christians to keep as many people as possible from going there. I think it's an incredible thing to start to think about, using that as the motivation for us to share the stories that we have. How has God changed your life? How has God changed your life? Paul knew that God can change people because he was proof that God can take a murderer who arrested and killed Christians and made him an apostle sharing Jesus around the world. Jesus took a useless us and made a useful us. Now he's asking us to use our usefulness to make others useful. Jesus took a useless us and made a useful us. Now he's asking us to use our usefulness to make others useful. We've got to believe in a God who changes people from, taking, but from being uh, takers to givers. To give uh, 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 outside of ourselves. From being selfish to selfless. From being timid to being bold. From victims to victorious. From being sick to healed. Here's some encouragement for everyone here today. We as a church have made an opportunity for everybody to be able to share the power of God's, like the transforming power of God through our nature playgroup, through our community pantry, through our kids' ministry, through our youth ministry, being a part of one of the teams here at the church. In fact, being a part of those teams helps us to reach people for Jesus and actually models to our community what a change the Holy Spirit can create in a life of someone who surrenders their life to Jesus. Serving the Lord has changed many lives. It's changed my life. It's changed our family's lives. But doing things for Jesus must flow from being with Jesus. Spending time in prayer, hearing his word, taking 20 seconds of outrageous courage to share the message of Jesus with someone. You want to watch a good film? Watch We Bought a Zoo. It'll teach you about the power of incredible courage for 20 seconds. We bought a zoo. You might just get saved. I don't know. I'm convinced that every Christian is called to the front line of soul winning service. Because I know that without a doubt that there's people that you'll reach that I never can. There are people in your workplace, your street, your family that only you can reach. That's why we're all on that front line together. But we must be willing to put ourselves out there on the line. We must believe that God can and does change people. My last point. Third point is simply to take a risk on others. Take a risk on others. In Philemon chapter 1, verse 11. There is only one chapter, by the way, in Philemon, so just saying. Formerly, Paul says, formerly he was useless to you, but now he's become useful both to you and to me. To have a changed legacy, we've got to be willing to put ourselves on the line for others and trust the change that God is working in them. Trust God that he's speaking to them. Trust God that he's molding and shaping people. 
Paul puts his own resources and reputation on the line for a formerly worthless runaway slave named Onesimus. You might be thinking that Paul's never been burned by anyone like we've been burned. Why would I trust anybody again? You don't know what's happened to me. But Paul knew this. He'd been burned in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 to 10. Timothy, he, Paul says, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone on to Thessalonica. He knew what it was like to be abandoned in the midst of something, been burned, stabbed in the back. Demas is actually mentioned in Philemon as one of the brothers who sends greetings. Paul knew what it's like to be burned by trusting in people, but he was still willing to trust people. There's a, a quote, great things never came from comfort zones. See, everything in life is a risk. And we've got really two options. Number one is that we take the risk and we can expect some results. Number two is we don't take the risks and we can expect nothing. God uses people who are willing to get out of the comfort zone and to take a risk. What, what risk are you facing today? Is it a relationship risk? Is it a witnessing risk? Is it a family risk? A job risk? Can I, can I say right up front here? You know what? This church is taking a risk as we join LifePoint Church. It's always a risk to do what God asks us to do, but I'd rather take a risk with God and see change than to play it safe and stay the same. I'd much rather do something with God as he asks us to do some stuff, to step out in faith than just to play the status quo and sit in a comfort zone. Because if... We've got a community to reach. We've got a region. We've got a state and a nation that needs Jesus. Whatever we're facing, know that Jesus is with us and he makes it abundantly clear that he's going to help us. Let's step out in faith, knowing that God's greater than any problem or fear or uncertainty that we may have. Here's a great scripture, Psalm 46, verse 10. It's a, a well-known piece of scripture. You may not know the verse reference, but it simply says this, Be still and know that I am God. Can I tell you that be still, you know what that means? It means drop it. That's what it means. It means drop it and know that I'm God. Whatever it is that you're hanging on to, drop it. Let it go. And know that I'm God. That uncertainty, that fear, drop it. Let it go. You know that, that family member that's away from God, drop it. Pray for him. Yeah, great. But know that I'm God. That, that, that provision that you're lacking, let it go. Trust me. Be still. Know that I'm God. Just drop it. What do we need to drop and to trust God in? What do we need to let go of and have faith to believe God's got this. It's not just throwing my hands up and walking by saying, uh, well, God's got it anyway. No, I don't need to pray about it. No, no, no. There's still a part of us playing a, a role in this, but there's this steadfast trust that God's got this. God's got this. 
as we join LifePoint. God's got this. He's in this. As he's working in your family, God's got this. It's exciting times. God's got this. We should take a risk on others because Jesus laid himself on the line for us. And our due service to him is to pass on that legacy of winning others to the Lord. That's leaving an eternal legacy. Leaving a legacy can be about money, can be about houses and cars. However, leaving an eternal legacy is so much more than that. I want to leave you with this conclusion, this story that wraps this up really well. I've shared this many years ago, but it's so powerful that I believe that it bears just repeating here today. Best-selling author and pastor Rick Warren shared how his father, Pastor Jimmy Warren, helped shape his destiny with his final words as he was dying of cancer. His father's words were the reason why he does what he does. Pastor Rick Warren says, My dad never talked about the books he'd read, the movies he'd seen, or the war that he'd been in. Instead, he dreamed aloud about building churches. The night before my father died, my father, my niece and I were in his bedroom by his side. And suddenly, Dad, he, he just got up and, and started to get out of bed. Of course, he was too weak to get up, so came his wife insisted that he lay back down. But he persisted in trying to get out of bed. Finally, Kay, in, his, in, in her exasperation, said, Jimmy, you cannot get up. You're dying. We will do, get whatever you need. What are you trying to do? And my dad said this, I've got to save one more for Jesus. I've got to save one more for Jesus. I've got to save one more for Jesus. One more for Jesus. One more for Jesus. He began to repeat that phrase over and over and over. And, and Pastor Rick Warren says it's no exaggeration to say that in the next hour that he repeated that phrase over a hundred times. I've got to save one more for Jesus. Pastor Rick said that as he sat on, his, on, on the, his dad's bed with tears flowing down his face, he bowed his head to thank God for the legacy of his father's compassionate faith. And Pastor Rick Warren says, while my head was bowed, my dad reached out and he placed his frail hand on my head and he said, as if commissioning me with a sacred calling, reach one more for Jesus. Reach one more for Jesus. He says it was like a holy moment and I knew what I was supposed to do for the rest of my life, regardless of problems, of illnesses, of conflicts, of critics, of delays or difficulties. We're called to reach one more for Jesus. You and I, have been commissioned. It's not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. We've been commissioned. And I love it. In Ezra chapter 7, I felt encouraged because the gracious hand of the Lord my God was on me. He's commissioned us to win one more for Jesus. And when we win that person... 
We move to the next and to the next. We don't discard them or walk away from them. We disciple them. We grow them in the things of God. We get the word of God into them. We pray for them. We teach them how to pray. But we also teach them how to win one more for Jesus. Over the last couple of weeks, we've heard a lot about Queen Elizabeth II. Incredible legacy that she leaves behind. I don't know how many people she led to Jesus. That's our commission. It's the thing that we've been called to do. Is to lead people to Jesus. To share stories of God's transforming power. To believe that God can and does change people's lives. And really, it all comes down to this. To simply take a risk on others. To to step out in 20 seconds of outrageous courage and take a shot. Can we stand this morning? As I was just praying this morning about this message, all I felt I needed to do this morning was to simply hold out my hand and commission you. You've already got the commission. This is just a a physical me reaching out to you today. But I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, something's going to change. Something's going to be deposited in your spirit. Something's going to change in your heart. You're going to start to get a compassion. You're going to start to get a, a, a courage to come about you. There's something that's going to fill your spirit. And you're not going to be able to stop but talk about Jesus. You're going to, you're going to feel the urge. You're going to feel the necessity to, to, to talk to people about Jesus. Because the reality is this. We believe for revival, yeah? Then someone's got to tell someone about Jesus. Someone's got to step into the gap. You know, like when Isaiah, he, he's, he's, here's this, this thing that's happening in heaven and, and, and this conversation is in heaven saying, who's going to go for, for, uh, for us and, and go into the world and, and to do this, make this change? And Isaiah steps up, he says, Lord, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come and descend in this place. And I commission your people today, Lord, to win one more for Jesus. I pray that you'd give them the equipment and the, the, the wisdom. The anointing is already on their lives. I just release it in the name of Jesus over your people today. Lord, I commission them to win one more for Jesus. Lord, that when they're in a conversation and you come up in that conversation, Lord, that these people would just share the transforming power of God. Lord, believing that God can change your heart and to take a risk in that moment. I commission them in the name of Jesus to win one more for Jesus. In Jesus' wonderful name this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to give an opportunity this morning. I don't know everybody here, 
we have some visitors and, and things. So I don't know where people stand in so far as if you've ever given your heart to Jesus this morning. But I want to give you an opportunity this morning to say yes to Jesus. To say yes to Jesus. To say yes to Jesus. Is there anybody here this morning? Maybe you're... You've never invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life. You've never said, Lord, I want you to come into my heart and change my life. I believe that God can change your life right here. I believe that you'll experience the transforming power of God as He comes and He touches your life in such a powerful way that you'll never, ever be the same again. Is there anybody here you just want to say yes to Jesus? Can I ask you to do something for me? I want you to put your hand up because I want to know who I'm praying for this morning. Is there anybody here that just wants to say yes to Jesus? Anybody at all? I'm not going to embarrass you by coming, asking you to come out the front. Just want to know who I'm praying for. Is there anybody here today? Thank you. Amen. We got one. Praise God. Anybody else wants to give their hearts to Jesus? Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Can we pray together? Let's believe in our hearts as we speak this out loud together with one one voice, one accord. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. I believe in you to transform my life. I pray right now that I would experience your divine grace I ask you to forgive me for my way of living and I ask you Lord that by your spirit you empower me to live your way in Jesus name let's give God a hand this morning Thanks, everyone, for coming out today. I really appreciate you being out. It's a little bit of a different service, but uh, an exciting one. It's uh, something that we are uh, uh, so glad that Josh was able to pull off. He's a great man of God back there. Just did a great job. So great job. Well done, Josh. Good job, man. Cool. Well, I just want to say uh, that... Uh, uh, what do I want to say? I want to say that you've been lit up to light up, that you've been transformed to bring transformation. I pray that you have an incredible week. Don't forget the men's breakfast is at Life Point Church at Modbury this Saturday. If you want to be a part of that, just uh, q- uh, scan the QR code on those little flyers and uh, I'm happy to carpool with people if they want to come down with me. That'd be great. But otherwise, have a great week. Thanks, Pastor Keith, for being with us today. It's so good to be with you. So uh, have a great... And uh, Wendy sends her love as well. So uh, excellent. Have a great day. See you later. <laughs>